This morning we continue in our News Worth Singing sermon series, looking at different Christmas hymns every week. The scripture this morning is John 3:16 through 17 and Matthew 6:16. Listen for God's word. God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but will have eternal life. God didn't send his son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow seeds or harvest grain or gather crops into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than they are? The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, grow us, transform us, so that we might live for you. As we pray in Christ's name, amen. In 1847, in the small French town of Recumar, a local parish priest wanted to commemorate the renovation of the church's organ. So he hired a local poet, Placide Capot, to write a poem to be read at Christmas time. Now, Capot was not a churchgoer and, in fact, had little interest in religion at all. And so he was quite surprised to be asked to do this. Nevertheless, he accepted the invitation. And using the Gospel of Luke as his guide, he imagined witnessing the birth of Jesus. Thoughts of being present, on that most blessed night of Jesus' birth, inspired him. And on a, on a stagecoach en route to Paris, he wrote the poem, Minuit Christians, or Midnight Christians. When he finished it, he, he realized that it wasn't just a poem, that, that this needed music. This was a hymn that he had written. It needed to be sung, so he got his Jewish friend and prolific um, classical composer of the day, Adolphe Adams, to put it to music. And the result was a carol simply titled, Consique de Noel, or Christmas Carol. And it premiered in 1847, performed by a local opera singer. And it quickly became very popular in that local church and in that local town. And within a couple of years in France, it was widely sung in, in the church in France. And then the church in France learned more about the lyricist and musical composer, about how one was, was not a churchgoer, had little to no interest in religion at all, and had become a part of France's socialist movement, and how the other, the, com the musical composer, was Jewish, and they promptly banned the hymn. Now, ten years later in America, the hymn was picked up, uh, and, and connected and resonated with an abolitionist, musical critic, and Unitarian minister named John Sullivan Dwight. He, he thought a lot about the, the Christmas message of the hymn, and in particular, he thought about the third verse. He thought that this third verse was one that the United States in the throes of slavery needed to hear. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. So he modified the hymn in English, and it became uh, widely sung, particularly in the north during 
the Civil War. But it wasn't until 1906 that this song became really widespread in the United States. A man named Reginald Fessenden, a 33-year-old university professor, used a new type of generator, spoke into a microphone, and for the first time in history, broadcasted a voice over the airwaves. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that the whole world should be taxed. Shocked, radio operators on ships, astonished wireless owners at newspapers were stunned as their normal coded messages were interrupted by a professor reading from the Gospel of, Mar- of Luke. After finishing his reading of the birth of Christ, Fessenden picked up his violin and began to play and sing, O Holy Night. A song written by a, a non-churchgoer, a Jewish composer, at one time banned by the church in France, brought to the U.S. by an abolitionist, and the first song ever broadcast over the radio. A song singing this good news. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Have you ever really paid attention to that verse? You know, this is one of those widely sung and widely recorded Christmas songs that we often hear, but I wonder how often we really listen to the words and the soul felt its worth. There was something about the coming of Jesus Christ, about the birth of God with us that made human beings at the core of who we are feel worth. But that's what real love does, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Within the last month, um, Lauren and I have gotten some uh, additional life insurance. And, and of course, one of the things that has to happen before you get approved for a life insurance policy is a, that, that intake conversation where they ask you, you know, your family history and uh, assess your, your health, your physical lifestyle for, for risk and, and value. And it took me actually a couple of phone calls to get, to get through this. In the first conversation, I got this question that I just wasn't prepared for at all. It totally caught me off guard. I wasn't expecting it. What is your net worth? Uh, I said, I, I have no idea. Just approximate. You know, just an estimate is okay, said the voice on the other end of the phone in a tone that said, We've barely started this. Please don't get hung up on this question. Uh, but I did. So I finally said, look, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I, I don't want to give you some random arbitrary number. Let me, let me do a little work, and then I'll call back when I actually have a, a reasonable estimate. What is your net worth? And the question is asking about how much assets that you have. But really, if you think about it, life insurance itself asks the question, how much is your life worth what is your life worth worth is is defined as value something of worth has desirability and weight it's it, it indicates something of substantial or significant merit so much of our our culture and society and economy is based on an understanding of worth as as what something or someone um, contributes offers produces 
But we know that, that worth is actually a little bit more complex than that. I mean, there are random objects or heirlooms in, in our homes that by any objective standard are of little or no worth that are yet a, worth a great deal to us. So when you, when you really get down to it, what if something has worth not as much because of what it contributes or produces, but because of how much it is loved? How much am I worth? Do I have substantial or significant value? That's, just not a, that's not just a, a life insurance question. In our darkest nights, we, we might ask, what would someone do for me? How, what, what am I worth? Whether we want to admit it or not, that's a question I'm guessing we've all wrestled with before in some way. When for whatever reason something happened in our lives, something happened to us, uh, something happened because of us, something didn't happen, doesn't happen, and we start to wonder, Am I, am I worth anything? I just feel so worthless right now. What am I worth? And I just imagine many are struggling right now with that question, particularly right now in the midst of this pandemic, because we haven't been able to do so many of the things that we're used to doing, things that help us to feel that sense of worth. Or we believe that, that worth is something that we need to approve, uh, to, um, that we have to earn or prove or, or acquire and so we try to prove our, our worth or, or find our worth with all, in all kinds of ways through our, through our possessions, through our jobs, through our busyness, through our hyper-productivity, through other people's approval, through social media and our, and our virtual world obsession. To say to whoever, like, here's my resume, please just validate me. We do whatever it takes to, to outpace or try to distract from our emptiness and our restlessness. Like our restless souls can, can never find or feel at home. It's like we're hardwired to, to want to have worth, to have value, to matter in, in some significant way. And sometimes those, those wires get, get crossed. If that's the case, no wonder long lay the world in, in sin and, and error, pining, pining or longing, right? Being willing to do any and all kinds of things to try to, to prove our worth, believing the lie that somehow we are not people of sacred worth simply by being human leads us straight to an exile of our own making where we find ourselves longing, aching to find our true worth again, to find true home for our souls, that deepest part of who we are. As Church Father Augustine famously said, our hearts are restless, O God, until they find their rest in you. But this is precisely why Jesus' birth is news worth singing. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, longing till Jesus appeared and the soul felt its worth. You, you can tell how much something or someone is worth based on what someone else is willing to do for it. The birth of Jesus Christ is God saying to humanity, you are worth it. You are a person of sacred worth. 
for all the times humanity, you and I, may have have wondered, what, what am I worth? What would someone be willing to do for me? God answers definitively in Jesus. God becoming human, God being born among us as one of us, from heavenly throne to, to earthly manger, from, from creator becoming a part of his creation. Is God showing us what God is willing to do because of how much we matter to God? We are worth everything to God. For God so loved the world. Not God was so angry with the world. Not God was so fed up with the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God did not send Jesus into the world to condemn or to judge, but to save the world. God sent his son because God thought that we were worth the journey, that we were worth the effort. You and I matter to God so much that in the eyes of the, of the Christ child looking up from the manger to the eyes of the God-man looking out from the cross, we are worth the risk, the frailty, the vulnerability, the rejection, the hurt, the suffering. Indeed, God took the risk of the hurt and the rejection and the suffering and even death in order for us to know deep in our souls that we are the object of God's love, the deep delight of God's affection. You and I are of infinite worth in God's eyes, precious in God's sight. And that's why Jesus can say with absolute sincerity and love, look at the birds of the sky and how God takes care of them and and feeds them. Aren't you human beings worth Aren't you human beings worth much more than they are? God didn't become a bird. God became human. God became what had always been the deepest object of God's love in order to save it. The birth of Jesus means that being born, being human matters, has value, is of inestimable worth. Your humanity, your existence right now matters to God. Your uniqueness, all your faults and failures, your peculiarities, all your gifts, that all the things that make you, you matter. In Jesus, your soul has found its worth. And so the news of Jesus' birth is deeply and profoundly good. God came to us because God loves us and therefore our souls discovered their worth as those created by God. God came to us because we have worth. Not because we are worthy or deserved it, but because we have worth. There's a difference between having worth and being worthy. We falsely equate being worthy with having worth. We say, oh, we're so so not worthy And so we don't have worth. That's the enemy's lie. The scripture is clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Yes. There is none righteous. No, not one. Yes. So we are unworthy as in undeserving. Yet, scripture is also clear. The birth of Jesus is clear. And both unmistakably declare that humanity has worth. We're all too broken, wounded, fragile, weak to save, to save us, to save ourselves, to secure God's love and grace in our own strength. God's grace makes the first move. 
to save us because we can't. Hence why God came to us in Jesus Christ. And God came to live with us to save us precisely because we are unworthy people of sacred worth. On Monday of this week, I was, I was driving to work and all up in my head, like I can get sometimes, particularly at the beginning of a week, despite a, a wonderful Thanksgiving, I, I just had this, this restless and, and, and heavy feeling, just thinking about a lot of things. And then on the playlist I was listening to, Oh Holy Night came on. And I remember saying to myself, you know, so many people have done this song, there have been so many versions and recordings of this song, like... What's going to be different about this one? Is there going to be anything new about this version? And the answer quickly became yes, because what happened next is the kind of thing that makes you sound crazy when you talk about it in front of other people. <laughs> but I'm going to do that anyway. As the singer began to sing, oh, oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. I began to tear up. All the hairs on my arms, my legs, my neck stood up, and I just got like goosebumps all over, like I can never remember before. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. In the middle of that verse, it felt like someone was gently but like firmly pressing their hand in, into my chest where my heart is, like you would make an imprint on a, on a memory foam mattress. And it stayed there. As the singer sang, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. Fall on your knees. <laughs> I wish I could have, but I was driving. But it was such a, a profound and, and moving experience. Um, and now as I've thought about it all week and thought about the words to this hymn, it, it occurred to me, maybe that's what it is for the soul to feel its worth in the birth of Jesus. It's like God putting God's divine hand firmly and lovingly in the imprint first made by God when humanity was created in God's image, as if to say, here, this is what you need, only this, you have worth, and I love you, that's why I came. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. And at the arrival of this beloved gift, the saving sun, the weary world rejoices. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn, breaks a whole new way to be human. Souls longing for worth find the imprint of God's divine love impressed impressed upon them. I pray that each and every one of us this season will hear in the good news of Jesus' birth an affirmation of our inherent worth because God so loved us. News that 
that the deepest part of us, the deepest part of who we are as human beings, truly felt its worth. Not by what we contribute, not by what we produce, not by what we accomplish, but by Jesus being born to us, with us, for us. God was willing to make God's home with us so that we could experience our worth at home in God's infinite love. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angel voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.